let's turn to Matthew 6. I want to read something before we receive the offering today. Sometimes it's just good to be reminded that when you were born again, you were translated into a different kingdom. You were translated, it says in Colossians 1, out of the kingdom of darkness and placed into the kingdom of God's dear son. And, you know, once you're born again, it says that you man must be born again to see the kingdom of God. The new birth is kind of like the first door that you go into, Terrence, right? It's an open door that you get into that no man can shut. You can't get kicked out. Amen? You now are a citizen of heaven. Right this moment, your citizenship is in heaven. Right? You may have citizenship in the United States. You might be a resident of Teller County and, or El Paso County, and you might have a physical location that is here on planet Earth, but your citizenship is in heaven. You are in this world, but not of this world. Right? And after the new birth, spiritual growth and maturity is the process of learning how to operate in the kingdom of God. It's learning how to operate as a son of God. You've been given the spirit of adoption, the spirit of sonship, whereby you cry, Abba, you cry, Daddy. Now, this relationship that you have with your daddy in the kingdom is a not only a royal relationship, it's a oneness relationship. All right, so you are one with the Father, just like Jesus was one with the Father. You are one with the Father. And Jesus' life is a clear picture of how a son of God operates as one with their daddy, right? Everywhere Jesus went, the kingdom of God manifested. Everywhere he went, Heaven manifested. His citizenship, his country invaded, right? His country, the kingdom invaded whatever place he went, okay? And what I'm saying here is, is that you are carriers of another kingdom. You are carriers of another realm, amen? And you are designed to operate in another way, right? You may have a job, but your job is not your source, all right? It's an assignment. It's an assignment. Everyone in this room has many assignments. If you have a job, that's one of them, okay? If you have a family, that's another one, right? If you have a place in this body, you have another one. There's assignments that we, Jesus had an assignment, He had an assignment to manifest heaven, to manifest the Father's glory, and to complete the work that the Father gave him to do. And you know, as a son in the kingdom, you have an unlimited supply to get your assignment done. Provision comes with the vision of God. Do you hear what I'm saying? You don't, you're not, we're not working for a living. We're working for a giving. We're not working as our source and supply. Amen? We don't live according to our paycheck. 
We live according to our assignment. We live according to what the Father says for us to do. Whatever he says to do, that's what we do. We live not by bread, not by natural resources, but by every word that proceeds out of the Father's mouth. We live by the words of God because we are one with God and we are on assignment in this earth to manifest his kingdom. Amen? We are his body. So his will is done through us, through our hands, through our feet, through our finances. Amen? We are a conduit for heaven. That's what we are. We are a conduit for heaven. Now, our minds have to be renewed to this fact. When we are born again, it is a complete overhaul of the way that we think. We have been born into a world system. We've been born into a world that has been conformed to an image that is not God's. Amen? The mindsets that you hear on CNN, on the economic report, that's not the report of heaven. Amen? The mindsets that you hear coming out of, I don't know, Wall Street or the financial planners or any place that you come, you're hearing, you're hearing things, but they aren't necessarily the word of the Lord. So in Matthew 6, Jesus speaks about the kingdom. He's talking about the kingdom. In Matthew, matter of fact, Matthew's gospel is, is ta- Jesus teaches on the kingdom and talks about the kingdom more than any of the other gospels. And in Matthew 6, this is what he is saying. He says a lot here. But here's what he says about um, money. In verse 19, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moss and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth or rust rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good or sound, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is there that darkness? Verse 24 says, No man, no one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon or money. Now, He's talking about two systems here. He's talking about the world system, and he's talking about the kingdom. And he's saying that you can can have treasures in both places. If your treasure is in the world system, if if your heart and your source is in the world system, well, you can be sure that it's, it's subject to loss. Thieves can break in, moths can eat it, (laughs) and uh, rust will destroy it because the world system is passing away. But the heavenly economic system, the kingdom of God, is eternal. There are no moths, there are no thieves, there is no rust, there is no decay. There's only increase in the kingdom of God. There's only increase. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. 
When God put Adam on the earth and he said, be fruitful, and he blessed them, and he said, multiply, replenish the earth, and take dominion, it meant expand. <laughs> expand the garden. Expand heaven on earth everywhere there is wilderness. Everywhere there isn't a garden, make it a garden. Everywhere that heaven is not existing right this moment, Adam, replenish it, renew it, expand it. You're blessed. So be fruitful and multiply and dominate it, tend it. Amen? How? The same way that I created it. With words. With words. With words. Let there be. Now, it says here that there's these two systems. One of them is decreasing. One of them is passing away. One of them is failing. It's a failing system. The world system is a failing system. But the kingdom of heaven is an eternal system. It's a, it's a place where moths is not, can't get in. Moths can't get in. Thieves can't get in. Here's what it says here, though. It says this. He actually, when he starts talking about verse 22 and 23, he ties it into verse 24 because he's talking about the lamp of the body is the eye. The light source, the place of revelation. If you want to have, um, uh, if you want to be a child of light and you want to see, if you want to be able to see, he says here, if your eye is good, if your eye is sound, that means you don't have double vision. It doesn't. It means that you won't have one eye going this way, one eye going this way but you have sound vision and it's looking at one's place. It's looking at heaven. It's looking at the heavenly, the things that are above. It's looking at the father. It's looking at the truth. It's looking at the word of God and you have a singular focus. You aren't double-minded. You don't have one eye on the bank account and one eye on the word of God. You don't have one eye on you know, the circumstances and one eye on the kingdom of God. It means that you have a single eye. It says, if you will say focused, you will say have a body that is full of light. But if you have an unsound eye, that means you're looking, you're double-minded. You're looking at both places. You have two sources. You have two masters. You have God and mammon as a master. And you can't have a double mind. You can't have two masters. You can't have money as a God and you can't have God as a God at the same time because you'll hate one and you'll love the other. You can't listen to money and listen to God at the same time. You cannot make decisions based on money or and decisions based on God at the same time. You cannot. You will have one God, one will be the other. Now, if you keep reading in Matthew 6 all the way down to 33, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. He's talking about priorities. He's talking about focus. He's talking about where your treasure is. He's talking about how you live in the kingdom. He says, your father has, has you know, after all these things that the Gentiles seek, there's a world system in verse 32 that it says, the Gentiles are constantly seeking money. They're serving mammon. They make their decisions based upon mammon. And they're seeking and serving the God of mammon. You know, how much we worry is an indication of what God we serve. How much we think about money is an indication of the God we serve. I'm telling you, this is a complete, utter, upside-down way of living than the way we've been taught by the world. 
it's completely upside down. In the world, you're taught, matter of fact, you're taught a whole bunch of things that in the kingdom are wisdom, but in the world, they're foolish. And in the world, you're taught a whole bunch of things that are wisdom, but in the kingdom, they're foolish. For example, in the kingdom, you're taught that the way of increase is by giving. Now, that makes absolutely no sense. Because when I get rid of something, I don't have it anymore. And even if I'm just doing accounting in the natural, when I write it out, it's called, you know, it's it's a credit. (laughs) and it decreases the asset. But in the kingdom, accounting's all messed up. It's backwards. In the kingdom, when you write it and you give it, it increases. Now, to get that into your mind takes a little bit of practice. That if you want to increase, you actually have to decrease. I mean, that's even the way of promotion. That the way of promotion in the kingdom is down. He exalts the humble. He gives grace to the humble, to the lowly, to the meek. He sets himself against the proud and the arrogant. The way up is down in the kingdom. The greatest in the kingdom is the servant. It's an upside-down kingdom. It's a completely upside-down kingdom. If you want to get out of debt, you give your way out. Completely upside-down. Completely upside-down. If you want to increase, you give more. Now listen, the moment you do this, every mindset that you have that is not in alignment with the truth that to go up is to go down will be confronted. And it's according to your faith. So until you get this straight and believe correctly, fear will rule. And fear is the king of the world system. The world system is driven by fear. It's a fear-driven kingdom. And the kingdom of heaven is a love-faith-based kingdom. And when you really believe that you're loved, when you really believe that you're loved, when you really believe that you're loved, you will rest and receive every bit of the provision. It's all about fear versus knowing you're loved. You know, and I just know it is not God's will for his kids to struggle financially. That is not God. Jesus didn't get nailed to a cross, get lashes upon his back, so that that poverty 
could rule our lives. Thank you, Jesus, for saving, delivering us, delivering us from poverty. Totally delivering us from poverty. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I was reading a book this week. I mean, you know, it was a, I just felt led to read it. It's a Dodie Osteen's uh, testimony. If you've never read it, it's just called Healed of Cancer. It's a little bitty book. And I like that book because it's an amazing testimony because of someone who was given two weeks to live who's still alive and has an amazing testimony. But the reason I like the book the most is because it's one woman's journey of faith. And at the end of the day, no matter what's going on in our lives, at some point, it's going to be about your faith. It's going to be about my faith. It's going to be what I, about what I believe. Whether it's that day when you get a doctor's report or it's that day, someday, all of us have that battle. Some of us have many of those battles in our lives. But there's a line in this book that says, I mean, she had the greatest people pray for her. I mean, you know, Oral Roberts is coming by to pray for her. And, you know, T.L. Osborne is coming by to pray for her. You know, I mean, she's got the peop, you know, the A-list of people. But her miracle didn't come through any of those people's prayers. When she came home, and it was just her and her diagnosis and her Bible, and two weeks, she had to make a decision. And she knew that this was between her and Jesus and what she believed. And you know, the strong man of poverty will only be defeated by you confronting it. The fears that you have will have to be confronted. The things that you believe will have to be confronted. You know, circumstances only reveal the condition of your heart. Sometimes that's a hard word to hear. And sometimes it takes a lot to even get you to the place where you're willing to say, you know what, this circumstance just reveals the condition of my heart. And to be able to say, wow, my heart is filled with fear. What's coming out of me, what's th- what I'm thinking right now, this is not the word of God. This isn't what Jesus provided for me. This isn't what the kingdom of God teaches. This is not Matthew 6. This is, the, this is a whole bunch of junk. Amen? But here's the reality. If we're going to fulfill the things that God has called us to fulfill, the giant of poverty is one of them that's going to have to be defeated. I mean, I'd love to tell you that you could just bypass that guy and go into the promised land without confronting that sucker. But you know what? He's a big, loud one that stands right there on the edge of the promised land and screams at you. There's other ones. You know? I mean, there's other giants there too. But I like the way Dodie just, she said, you know, it's not easy. You know what Dodie did? She said she wouldn't even let herself act sick. She said she knew if she got in that bed, she wouldn't get out. So she got up every day like a healthy person. Now, she wasn't a healthy person. (laughs) She was deathly ill, deathly ill. She said she wouldn't let her family treat her like she was sick. 
Now, this was a woman who was not going to die. She said in the middle of the night when everybody else was sleeping, that's when the battle was the worst. You know, my mom mom died of pancreatic cancer, so I, I got that book in the midst of a, of a, of a battle with cancer that was lost. And I, I mean, I'm telling you, this is, this is an amazing story, really. It's an amazing miracle that Dodie experienced. But I felt like as I was reading this week that God wanted me to bring it into Sunday and apply it not to, I mean, if you have a cancer diagnosis, well, pray God, take it and take it for cancer. <laughs> but do you know that poverty is financial cancer? It's financial cancer. Now, here's the deal. God will supernaturally provide for you like he did the Israelites in the wilderness. He will, you go from miracle to miracle, and you can go from miracle to miracle, and you'll just live off miracles. But that is not the promised land. <laughs> that is not houses that you did not build filled with all good things. That's not an abundance of, of that's not having, in their terms, a farm that produces crops that feeds you without any toil on your part. Meaning it's not passive income. It's not making you money while you're sleeping because you have now streams of income and, and systems of income that are now, I mean, you can't go broke. I mean, I know a young man named David Jay who founded a company. I, I met him when he was probably 21. He's a photographer. At the time, he was a world-class photographer, one of the most well-paid photographers in the world. Um, I think he was making like $15,000 a wedding or something. Or, I'm sorry. I mean, I mean, this is when he was like 16. You know, but by the time he's 23, he's, I mean, he's, he's bringing down, I mean, it's thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars just to get him to shoot your one day. Well, then he forms a company. And he rec started to recognize that his call in his life was to empower other photographers to build their business. So he, he starts this company where he starts creating tools for photographers. He created this little product where you could, by the end of the wedding, be showing the photographs during the reception, right? A little software program that photographers could download. He created a community of photographers. I mean, I'm, I could go on. It's not so much about that. It's about, I started learning that he was making like $80,000 a month just in the software downloads. He was doing nothing but collecting money. Because he had a, a, a product that was being downloaded by photographers all over the world. I'm talking, you, you get to a place where you can't even count it. I mean, now I, I can tell you all kinds of products and things this, this young man has done. But we're talking promised land. Okay, this isn't believing for a miracle. This isn't, this is, I got to figure out what to do with all this money. Like I've got to hear God now about how to spend this money to expand his kingdom. Now that is prosperity, financial prosperity, all right? So why am I saying all of this? You've got to start where you are, but we've got to go somewhere. Something's got to change. Something has got to change. What's got to change? Us. Us. There is wealth inside of you. 
There is wealth inside of you. There is wealth inside of you. There's wealth. And there's a promise over your life. And yeah, you know what? So what? Financial cancers attacking our finances. Right? If you're decreasing, that's the situation. However, it's how are you decreasing? Are you decreasing because you're investing in the kingdom? Are you decreasing because you're investing in the kingdom? Now listen, kingdom investments come through, writing the check to Prayer Mountain, they also come through financing and investing in the call of God on your life. How many of you here know you've got a business? Raise your hand if you know you've got a business. Okay, some of you. Okay. How many of you think you've got a business? <laughs> you think you've got one, you're just not sure. Well, I mean, you just don't, you don't have the, you don't know what it is. You believe you're called to the marketplace. You believe you're called to business, but you don't have the idea. How many of you are just confused? It's okay. Just raise your hand. You're just confused. You don't know what you're called to do. Okay. That's a confirmation. God's been speaking to me about my assignment. Part of my assignment is to make you wealthy. That's part of my assignment. It's to empower you to figure out what it is that you've been called to do, where that wealth is inside of you. You did not get put on this planet without great wealth inside of you. There is something that you have been assigned to do, something that you carry that is needed. When God put Adam in the garden, he said, when he said be fruitful and multiply, and he said replenish the earth, here's what it, in the Amplified in the Amplified Version in, in Genesis, it's like use all of the earth's resources in the service of God and man. That's what it means to replenish the earth. Use the earth's resources in the service of God and man. And wealth generation is take, it's just it's converting a resource into a resource. For example, with David J., he just took an idea. He took an idea, an idea. You know, wouldn't it be nice as a photographer, wouldn't it be nice if the bride and the groom could see their, you know, take the pictures and then by the end of the reception, see them while the reception's still going on, a little slideshow of the, of the wedding? Wouldn't that be good? And then he didn't know how to do that, but he found somebody that did. You know, God is full of ideas. God has a million ways to make a million dollars for you. He has a million ways to make a million dollars for everybody in this room. Man, I just feel, I can feel it. I, you know what I can feel? I can feel the oppression that leads to depression. Because we know our bank account doesn't line up with our identity. And that is oppression. I'm just going to pray. Let's just pray. Let's pray in tongues. 
I'm just going to start to say what I'm hearing. So I just, it just is about the way that we think. It's about the way that we think. And you know, I see so many, I've seen so many believers, we get hyped up, but then nothing changes. And I was thinking while we were praying about how Nathan Bloust, what came, one of the reasons why he's doing what he's doing today is because he saw so much failure in the healing deliverance business. Cast it out, no different. Slain in the spirit, down on the ground for an hour, they get up, no different. And he saw this charismatic merry-go-round where a whole lot of activities and things were going on, but not very much transformation. And so he, he, he began to ask God for the real for the real. And let me just say this. This is what I see in the body of Christ when it comes to finances. And as I was praying right then, let me just tell you what I just heard though. I I saw God. It's a way that we operate. How many in here, for example, know how to pray in tongues and interpret? Raise your hand if you know how to pray. I can teach you how to do that in five minutes. I can teach you how to do it and I don't do it. That's my own lack of not thinking correctly. Because when I was just praying in tongues right there, he said, if you would just pray and interpret, what would I give you? What wisdom would you get? Just by praying in tongues and interpreting. You know, I heard Creflo Dollar one time say, everything God called him to do, he didn't know how to do. He said, but he knew how to pray in tongues. And so he would focus, pray in tongues. That, this also came to me. I just prayed in tongues for three minutes, and this is what came to me. And how he said one time God told him, go on television or something. And he's like, some ridiculous thing. He's like, I don't know anything about any of that. He said, well, pray in tongues at it. So he got it in his mind, the word, go on television, and began to pray in tongues at it. It's so beyond our natural thinking. Matter of fact, it's so beyond our fleshly way of being. What we want to think about it. We want to, I don't know, put it all in the computer and spit it out. And, And God is operating at a level above that at a level above that. 
I mean a supernatural way of being and living. Let's just pray in tongues again. Let's keep it going. Kato shanaraki soko lalara shelera brorokosa. Yaba basoko tararakia. Yama sakata yo sananaraki so tararaki shaka lalara basanaraboshon nararakia. Yamo sakatehia. Yabo sakata hala boshanaraki soko tararaki so nararakaya bahasa. Yoba bahasa. Ya kasa no ho lalara shelera brorokosa nararaki so lalara kisha nararaki so lalara kima haya. Yoba bahasa katehia. Yo kasa nararabosha nararaki so lalara kisha nararabokoya. Yama masakata teki shokata haya. Yamo hasa. Yama sata. Yoko na haya kasa katia ha. Yoba sata tala kiso na haya basaka to ya ha. Lala kiso na haya bakiso na hai. Yabasa kataya hala kisota haya. Yabosa nanada kisa nanada bororo koya mahasa katikiya hai. Yasata haya. Okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out a piece of paper. I want you to get out a piece of paper or something. And I want you to interpret what you're, we're going to interpret what we're praying. We're going to interpret what God is speaking. God is calling us into a higher level of operating. I feel like what I'm, what I'm getting <laughs> is we're spending too much time in the realm of the natural and not enough time in the realm of the spirit. Not enough time in the, in the realm of spiritual communication and of spiritual thinking, of engaging the mind of Christ. We've been engaging, we engage our natural mind but we don't engage the mind of Christ, which we have an unlimited access to, or we don't know how. We don't know how to engage the mind of Christ. Okay? Now, here's the thing about interpreting tongues. It's not a translation. Okay? So it's not a word for word. It's not like I'm up here speaking German and they're going to translate it into English. It's not like that. It's impressions. Okay? It's like a dream interpretation. It's impressions. All right? So it's the, it's you write down... Right, you just write down the thoughts. It's like spontaneous thoughts or spontaneous words. It comes from the same place as the spirit of prophecy. Okay? So it's just a simple flowing from your spirit to the paper. And you just and you write without thinking. You don't think about it. You don't you don't engage your, your natural mind in it. Does that make sense? You just you just channel it. You channel the spirit. Okay? So just try it. Okay, you know when I first started preaching, this is the way I used to preach my sermons. I would pray in tongues and download the scriptures and download what I was to preach. That's how I learned to preach. So let's just pray in tongues. Kato shan narada kiso narada kaya yobo san narada kiso tatarada kia yaba bosoko to ya nataya base katatarada kia yobo soko taya taya hai. Now this is not the same as prophecy. So don't, don't do prophecy. I'm not asking you to prophesy. I'm asking you to pray and interpret what you're praying. Okay, Paul said, 
pray in tongues and pray that you can interpret. So let's pray. Father, we ask right now that you give us the interpretation of what we're praying. So sometimes say, say a sentence and then write it. And write it. And try to clear your mind of any thoughts that, that may be trying to interfere. Just be still in that place. If you have to think of something because you, you're, you're distracted, then just picture the face of Jesus. Look unto Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. Focus your mind on Jesus. And I just release that gift, Father, of tongues and interpretation right now in Jesus' name. I release that. I release that. Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. We thank you right now for a higher level of operation. For a higher level of operation. We thank you right now, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you for wisdom that comes from above. Thank you, God. (laughs) Thank you, Father. Thank you, God. Thank you for encounters, God. Thank you for visions. Thank you for showing us your will. Thank you for thinking through our minds, thoughts right now. Thank you for infusing our brains with just thoughts. Yeah, I feel like I just sense that, ooh, thank you, God. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the exact same thing and expecting different results. That's the definition of insanity. So I don't know about you, but going into 2015, no more insanity. No more insanity. I I just, I can see like the promise and the potential and the provision over your life. I can, it's like I, it's like it's just right over you right here. Right over you, right here. Right over you. Just right over you. <laughs> you know? And it's what, it's the, what is possible in 2015? What is possible this next year? Just what is possible? What is possible? Just what is possible? What's possible? Throw something out. What's possible? I mean, let's just say for this next year, what, what is it? What are we believing for? What are we believing for? Somebody throw something out. Financial stability, define it. What does that mean? Right now, Terrence, define what financial stability means. What else are we believing for? Relationship restored. Okay, write that down. Now, what does it look like? What exactly does it look like? What else are we believing for? Huh? Deeper walk with him. Okay, we got to get specific. All right, I want to know who's believing for a million dollars in 2015. No, come on, come on, let's just raise your hand. I mean, if that's really something God's put on your heart and said a million dollars in 2015. How, okay, no, I mean it, not, not like the charismatic, we raise our hand like we have for the, I, I mean it, like we're really meaning it. Stand up. 
if that's you, if you really are believing it, like you believe you're called to be a millionaire, you believe God's spoken that to you specifically, you believe that. I mean, you've had a word from God that you're a, you're a wealthy millionaire person. I, I'm, well, it's a, is it up to God? Is it up to God? I'm just saying, why not 2015? Okay, I'm just asking, I'm just, because I'm, so many times we are waiting on God. Are we really? Are we really? Are we really? Well, how much time does he need? No, I'm just asking, this year, you're standing up and saying, I believe it. Now listen, let me tell you what's required. Massive transformation. Massive transformation. It's, it, it, that's the only thing that's standing between you and the manifestation of God's promises is us. The promised land has been provided. The giants are there, ready to be taken. Amen? What's the difference? I remember God told me one time, what's the difference between you and Warren Buffett, Shalise? I was driving by, there was a homeless guy on the side of the street, and I looked at him, he said, you know the difference between you and that homeless guy? And I'm like, well, I'm sure a lot of difference, God. He's like, what's the same difference between you and Warren Buffett? The difference between the way you think and that guy thinks is the difference between Warren Buffett thinks and the way you think. He said, but it's the only difference. He said, it's the only difference. And the good news is we can change what we think. Now, I just want to... I'm doing it because it's on my heart. You know what's on my heart? To raise up a million millionaires. That's on my heart. That's a, that, is, that, is, that is on my heart. To raise up a million millionaires. The Millionaire Club. The Millionaire Club. The Millionaire Club. The Millionaire Club. Wow. The Millionaire Club. Well, I think it's pretty exciting that this many people stood up. Because I think, and, and, and I, I really do want it to be like you've had a word from God. See, I had a word from God a while ago. I'm already behind. So it's not like 2015 is anything new for me. I mean, we're thinking, dear God, are we going to catch up this year? I mean, like, let's just, okay, so you, you've heard it, you've heard it, you've heard it. You know it. Raise your hand. You know it. I just want to really see you guys, like, stand and be like, we know it. This isn't just something I'm just hoping for. I mean, I know for sure. And everybody standing up knows that for sure. All right. Well, we're going to start the Millionaire Club. There we go. We're going to start the Millionaire Club. There we go. I don't know what that means, but... Praise Jesus. We're going to start the Millionaire Club. Because as I am transfigured, that means you get transfigured. Ha, 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 because I'm called to raise up a million millionaires. Ha, 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 Yes. Which one's going to be first? Hey. <laughs> good. Well, good. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Well, we can sit down now. All right. 
Well, that's a that's good. Hallelujah. All right. Okay. I'm going to go a little, keep going about the other things that I'm feeling like God's been speaking. Let's go to Habakkuk chapter 2. Because if it's not a million dollars, that's not what God's calling you to do in 2015. He's calling you to do something. Specific. Specific. You know, as believers, we're not called to go to work, come home, put food in the refrigerator, pay our mortgage, and then get up and do it all over again next year. I'm just telling you, that is not the call of God on your life. There's something you're called to do. Like you're called to do it. Like if you don't do it before you die, it's going to be bad for you. (laughs) You're going to be so disappointed. You're going to be so sad when you get to heaven and you missed it. I mean, you won't. I think that's part of the gnashing of teeth and the drying up of tears. I think the saddest thing is to have a tombstone in the grave and they didn't do what God had called them to do. Now, you can't make it happen. I mean, you know, Joshua couldn't make it happen. But he had a part to play. Matter of fact, Joshua was ready the first time around. Let's go up at once. We're well able. Forty years it took him to get all that unbelief around away out of out of everybody else so he could actually do it. So 2015, there is a vision for 2015. See, I, I'm, I mean it. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing and wanting different results. It's insanity. I don't know about you, but I'm not going into 2015 the same way I went into 2014. I'm just not doing it. And I have enough heritage in the faith to know that what I'm saying is right. Not just in the word. You can go in the word. You know how many times Jesus told people it's according to your faith? You know how many times? What do you want that I should do for you? And then they would say it. Do you believe that I'm able? Be it unto you according to your faith. Time and time again. Time and time again. Be it unto you according to your faith. In Habakkuk 2, it says this. The Lord answered me, write the vision and make it plain on tables that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but the end it will speak and it will not lie. For though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Now, I've been making some notes. Let me get over to them. What is the vision for your life? What is it? What's the vision? When are we going to find out? 2015? Why not? What is it you'd like me to do for you? I'd like to know the vision for my life. Lord, who am I in heaven? What have I been called to do? What have you put inside of me? Who am I in your body? Who am I in your kingdom? What attribute of your glory do I carry? 
What am I called to build? Who am I called to help? What have you anointed me to do? Where does the anointing on my life? What is it that when I do it, something supernatural is produced? What is it that when I'm in the flow of it, things change? What is it specifically that you've called me to do? You got to find your true self. The process of writing the vision for your life and writing the vision for my life is a discovery of who you are and who God is for you and in you and through you. And it's an, it's, it's, it's worth taking the time to discover that. Who am I? Who am I? Not, not what mold was I poured into. Whether it was, you know, the world's mold or the or, or, or religious mold or the Christian mold or the whatever mold. I mean, there's all kinds of molds. I mean, if you're in corporate America, the corporate America mold. If you're in this, you know, in medicine, Catherine tell you, there's the medicine mold. There's there's all kinds of molds. You know, what image were you conformed to? But what image are you really? If I was transfigured, if I, if the glory of God that was in me literally started to shine out of me, what would I look like? What would I be doing? See, God has to show you. I'm just going to give a quick testimony. This is a simple little testimony. And it's, I mean, you know, I'm still working on whatever. This is just a point. The point is this. Until three years ago, I hadn't sang for 35 years. I used to play piano and worship as a kid. I took piano lessons. I was like, people said as a primary call of God on your life when I was a kid. And you know what? I rebelled from God, stopped playing piano, smoked, partied, all, did all that stuff. I didn't sing for 35 years. You know what? It was so dead. It wasn't a part of my destiny. It wasn't a part of my identity. I didn't have, I mean, I, I mean, literally, I, I couldn't sing. I couldn't sing. I couldn't sing. And one day I'm in the encounter room. I have an encounter with God. I'm standing in the encounter in this bathroom over here. Why? I have no idea. But I'm in the bathroom at Prayer Mountain in the encounter looking in the mirror except the reflection staring back at me is singing. No, I started bawling. I didn't even know I would bawl. I mean, like you could have told me. I wouldn't even know my reaction would be this. I mean, it was hidden in me, hidden in my heart, deep inside of there, totally dead, totally unbeknown to me, totally buried, Somewhere God knows where, only God knows. And I sat there, and I, I didn't even believe it. Matter of fact, the only thing I wrote in my journal that night was one word, the word believe. I went home, driving in my car, arguing with God. I said, if this is true, you got to show it to me in your word. I got home, he said, Song of Solomon chapter 2. Well, Song of Solomon chapter 2 has been like the, the, I used to sleep to that chapter. When I was broken, 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 that's the chapter that I read. Matter of fact, my little girl's named Lily because of Song of Solomon chapter 2. My first name is Sharon. You are the rose of Sharon and the lily of the vow. I mean, like, I'm talking, this is my chapter, right? This is my chapter. You can borrow it, but it's mine. So I'm in there, and he says, Song, and I think you're smoking crack, God. It is not in there. I've read that 10,000 times. I didn't know they had crack in heaven. But you need to lay off of it because it's not in there. Anyway, I get down there, and it literally says, you know, sprint, you know, winter has passed. The flowers are in bloom. The season of singing has come. I'm like, shut up. Get out. Like, I still, I'm st but you know what? Still didn't believe. 
Still didn't believe. I went to bed that night. I had a dream. This dream was crazy. I'm like in the stronghold, crazy things. You have to kind of know the history. I'll tell it short version. Gosh, for a period of like five years, I would cast out devils in my dreams every single night. Like God was teaching me authority over the kingdom of darkness, just rooting up fear out of anything that had to do with demonic stuff. And I would always, you know, cast them out. I mean, it's like 10 million ways to cast out a devil. That's what my dreams were. Well, this night when I'm, I go to sleep, I go into this house, the right side of my body starts to shrivel up like cerebral palsy. I know it's demonic. Even in the dream, I know it's demonic. So I do my normal, in the name of Jesus, whatever, nothing's happening. I'm just still all shriveled up on the right side of my body. I'm doing it, in the name of Jesus, do my thing. You know what I hear? One word, sing. I wake up. Now, I'm saying that just to say this. God has to reveal who we are. Now, listen, there was nothing, there was not a natural evidence at all I still am in the growth journey of this. I mean, whatever he does with it, I still have to believe. I have to believe every time I open my mouth. I have to believe regardless of how it sounds to me. I Like, none of this was my idea. He made me. Yeah. He decided. Yeah. So for me not to do it, what, I'm going to get to heaven and be like the songbird of heaven and I don't even know myself? Because I didn't believe? What can he do to my vocal cords? What can he do to my breathing capacity? What can he do to my range? What can he do? He created vocal cords. He created lungs. He created cords and music. He's the creator of it. How many, what endowment do we have that we don't even know? What instrument do you play that you've never figured out? What, what, what skill do you have that you've never uncovered? Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like his vision. His vision. His vision for 2015. Don't tell me we're not living in some low-level existence of unbelief, of complete asleep. We're asleep where I know it. I can feel it, and I'm depressed over it. That's the truth. Because mediocre living, I was not designed for it. I was not designed for mediocrity. I can tell you, when I, I'm, there's nothing in me that was designed for that. There is such a thing as a holy dissatisfaction. I got moved across the country because of holy dissatisfaction. So don't think there's something wrong with you because you have holy dissatisfaction and you're just trying to be thankful through it. Sometimes it's the Lord saying, it's not time to be thankful. It's time for a change. So writing the vision, I mean, like, what other, I I just feel this so deeply. You know, it's not supposed to be the people in the world that are changing the world. And I think sometimes church just pumps us up enough. It's like a sedative. One more week. We get pumped up and then we Go through one more week. Now, I mean, I don't, I'm not meaning to be depressing. I'm not meaning. I, these are just the these. This is these are the thoughts from the throne. It is time for the manifestation of the sons of God. It is time. I mean, I don't really have a whole lot of wisdom about how to get there. 
except pray in tongues. That's my deep thought for the day. Pray in tongues and write the vision. Pray in tongues and write the vision. Pray in tongues and write the vision. Now, all hell's against you doing that. All of hell is against you doing that. Really. I mean, really. All of hell is against that. All of the giants have been aligned for that. I recognize there's great warfare over our destinies. There is great warfare. Great warfare over your manifestation, over your transfiguration. There's great warfare. But I think if we recognize that, it's not about fighting. Sometimes, you know, I mean, just because there's warfare, I mean, okay, how do you deal with warfare? Well, I think it's not fight. Because the fight is faith. So it's not, you know, we go into some spiritual warfare mode. It has to do with believing. It has to do with, there's a resting in the warfare that comes from believing. And there's lies. So there's not only great warfare over your destiny, there's lies. There's lies standing. That's it, by the way. But there are lies standing between you and your destiny. There's lies standing between where you are right now and where you're headed. And it's just, it's a, it's a confrontation of what is that lie and what is the truth. Yeah. Um, I have chronic pain and, um, I was, I had it so long that I was willing to try anything to deal with it. And my doctor prescribed medical marijuana and, uh, I took it. And uh, I had this experience, and God was talking to me, and he said, Linda, what are you doing here? Why are you in this realm? Because, you know, it's a spiritual experience when you smoke pot. It, what, what anything anybody tells you different, it's, it isn't. But um, he took me by the hand, and he said, I don't want you here. He goes, this is a different realm. And he let me hear the warfare that was going on. And it was hell. It was like animals that were just ripping each other apart and tearing at each other. There was growling and all this ugly stuff. And he told me, he said, I want you to stay over here. I want you to fight the good fight, the fight of faith. That's the realm that we're and that just to confirm what you were just saying. Well, I think, I think what's so powerful about that is it has to do with the, a state of mind. A state of mind. Do, do you understand? Because that has to do with an altering. First of all, even just altering the mind is a way of dealing with pain. I mean, there's deep revelation in the, in, in the mind and the realm that you're in. And what is possible in those various realms. And that's a revelation. It's a revelation that those mind-altering drugs are a spiritual experience, that you're tapping into things. I mean, you know, I mean, I've thought about it because all all that acid that I used to trip on, and then I had an open vision, and I actually sat down and thought, what is the physiology 
of open visions. Like literally what happens physiologically when you're having an, because you know something happens because your vision literally, I mean physically, something happens. You know, if you're going to a trance, I mean there's something physically going on, you know. That's a whole kind of little side note. But my point is, Father, what is the point? The point is I just felt so strongly coming in today that there is such a strong word to write the vision. That it is, I mean, like I can feel it so heavy. Write the vision for your life. Write the vision for your life. Write it. How many years are we going to be okay with not knowing? We have even lies Nate calls them guardian lies. They're lies that hold it in place, the fact that we don't know. Like we have believed a lie that it's, it's not time or we, da, 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 it doesn't matter. I mean, there's something even blocking the download of that. Yeah. So um, just as you were talking, I just, um, I just saw God like taking an eraser and erasing like all of our last names um, because I think there's a lot when we are, with our vision and our identity that gets carried negatively from um, our name and where we came from. Um, and I just saw him like erasing. And then uh, I saw I saw writing our vision. Um, I saw mountains, you know, and then it's um, he just wrote I am um, like he is, you know, he is I am. And we are as well. So I just, just to kind of reaffirm what she's saying, you know, that when you get into your vision, <laughs> you have to kind of erase, um, you know, uh, we take a lot of identity from where we came from. So, yeah. That's really awesome because um, about a year after the divorce, I was kind of debating about, you know, I really want to keep, Clifton, I kept it because I got five kids, you know, and grandkids and everything. And then, but I didn't want to go back to Williams. And, and I was talking to the Lord about it. And he said, well, what would you like for your name to be, your last name to be? And I said, I really don't know. And he said, how about Twinkle Star? <laughs> so, so he, he, had, he had already talked to me about my Paul Sue, which comes out of Song of Solomon chapter 2. <laughs> Sue means lily. And small is Paul. So my name is Small Lily. That's why my ministry is his Small Lily Ministries. And then he said, so you're Small Lily Twinkle Star. <laughs> See, that makes perfect sense in the kingdom. Makes no sense in the natural, but that's how we know. So I, I don't know. I just want to encourage you with that. And what I really want to encourage you to do is um, pray in tongues. Because here's the deal. It's not striving. Okay, this isn't striving. It's supernatural. It's revelation. It's a, revel it's a revealing. It's an unveiling. It's a mystery that gets discovered. And here's what I heard, that the mysteries belong to us. That's what I've heard, that the mysteries, and that it's the Holy Spirit says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard what God has laid up for those that love him. Eye hasn't seen it. Natural eye has not seen it. Ear hasn't heard it. 
nor has it entered into the natural heart of man, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. But he has revealed them by a spirit. The Holy Spirit, I mean, scripture after scripture takes the things that belong to Jesus and reveals them to us. He is the great revealer. And we have a power inside of us that raised up Jesus from the dead. The same power that raised up Jesus from the dead is inside of us. We don't need a a lick more of power. Jesus was made unto us wisdom. We don't need a lick more. We might need a revelation of the wisdom, but we're not lacking. What if 2015 was the year of the greatest miracle that ever happened in Woodland Park? Where a congregation of believers, a little small congregation of believers, rose up and manifested such greatness and, 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 and miracles and, and, and Jesus came forth so great for this little ragtag group of people that just believed, that made a decision that, that 2015 was going to be the year. Why not? It's according to our faith. Why not? Why not just believe it? Why not believe this year? Why not? Why not? Why, what, what, what? How, how about this? What if we do it and then he corrects us? How about that? If we're just totally off, we just believe it radically. We just believe God is God and that he's able to raise up something so ridiculous and manifest his glory so dramatically. You know, the glory is money. The glory is just, just, I mean, it's, it's excellence. It's, it's King Solomon and, and Queen Sheba coming and fainting because it's just so overwhelming. It's, 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 it's obscene. It's fish coming out and freaking you out because there's such an abundance. It's, you know what I mean? Like it's, I mean, like you're like Twilight Zone fish. Such a draught of the fish. I mean, he's obscene. I mean, he's, he is, he's huge. And he's huge. He's huge. He's huge. Why not you? Why not me? Why not us? Bigger, big things, guys. Gosh, big things, big things, huge things. Come on, let's believe. Let's believe for big things. Dead people being raised. Big things. Big things. Big influence. Big checks written. Just big things. I don't know. I, I, amen? Well, Jesus, I don't even know how to solidify this exactly, except just to ask you to. I know I'm not crazy. No matter what the devil says. (laughs) I know I'm not crazy. No matter what every day up until this day has been, it doesn't matter. 
every single day up to this day doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what is possible today, what is possible tomorrow. You know, he led them out with silver and gold, and there wasn't a feeble one among them. He led them out with signs and wonders. He led them out, let's just say this, it was spectacular. It was God's style. Do you know what I'm saying? It was gaudy. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was over the top. Like you really had to like, it had frogs had to come. Like you had to send the plagues. and I mean, it was dramatic. I mean, I don't know. I need to go see Exodus. Just It may be a terrible movie. Oh, I think God can speak through a donkey. Surely he can speak through it. I think it's prophetic. Is, is, is bad? Well, Pharaoh didn't die. Moses was a fool. He was a terrorist. All right, well. Maybe that's what's prophetic about it. No, let me, give me a second. Maybe that's what's prophetic about it because it actually is the season of Exodus and so the enemy's got to put a spin on it because you can't believe that God can actually do what God actually did. So then we just go and we laugh. And we take it as a confirmation of what God is already speaking. Well, you just say he wouldn't have written it that way if what I was hearing wasn't right. You know what I mean? That's good. (laughs) The devil's so desperate. He's so desperate he's got to rewrite the story. But that's good. All right. Well, Father, we thank you. And I just release grace. Release grace over myself. Lift your hand on your head. Say, I release grace over myself to pray in tongues and interpret and to write the vision for my life. Hey. (laughs) I release the mind of Christ. Now, soul... Get into subjection. Into. (laughs) Get under. (laughs) Body. Get into subjection to. And get under the lordship of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Mind. Thoughts. Emotions. (laughs) Get into subjection. And get under. The Lordship of Jesus Christ. (laughs) Thank you. Ears you open. Ears you see. (laughs) And just say this with me too. Devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You spirit of confusion and you lying spirits, get away from me. Every oppressive spirit, every spirit that has been trying to hinder me from walking into the fullness of the revelation of the plan of God for me. Leave in Jesus' name.
Say, I declare I am awake. Christ has given me light. I've arisen from the dead. I know the will of the Lord. And I am walking circumspectly into the fullness of his plan for me. And if restoration is needed, I will have it. And if acceleration is needed, I will get it. Whatever has been stolen has been returned. Whatever has been destroyed has been rebuilt. And whatever has been killed has been resurrected. Ooh, in Jesus' name.